this was supposed to be an easy one. This was supposed to be a fun thing for quarantine. Uh, you know, when this all hit, I thought, wow, why don't we go back and do something nostalgic, something that a lot of people have read, something that it might be fun to revisit, try to take our own small furthermore spin on the Harry Potter series. I'm planning and had planned to do all seven of these books. But I recorded this first episode with Jess, who's been on this podcast before, uh, wonderful person, champion librarian, former co-worker and bookseller, just all around great person. Jess and I recorded this episode and then, well, in the episode we talk about J.K. Rowling putting her foot in her mouth on Twitter all the time and guess what she goes and does? Says something pretty damaging on Twitter. If you haven't heard this by now, J.K. Rowling responded on Twitter to an article someone had written talking about people who menstruate and made a joke saying people who menstruate didn't there used to be a word for that. Was it women, bimbin, bimbin, you know, some things there. I have to be honest, when I first saw this, it was shared on my Facebook. I don't have a Twitter, so I don't, you know, follow her on Twitter or anything, but it was shared on my Facebook. And, and as I find so often nowadays, when I see these things shared on Facebook, my eye has sort of become accustomed to just looking at the text of these Twitter posts and then going to look at who said this. So I saw that, I saw the, the text, I kind of chuckled. I was like, yeah, man, why can't they just write women? Thinking to myself, you know, this is the same, wow, they don't have enough respect for women to write women. They have to refer to them that way. And then I, and I, I thought of this sort of in the same way that the, that newspapers or other media outlets write about women who accomplish their own great things in their own right, but happen to be married to somebody who is also famous and usually just refer to them as the wife of the person who's famous. You know, the, the thing, I, I can't think of a particular article, but what comes to mind is somebody like Julie Ertz, who is a you know world champion soccer player uh, and happens to be married to a tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, Zach Ertz. It would be sort of like, a, you know, an article coming out saying, uh, you know, if, if she had thrown a charity event or something, saying wife of Eagles tight end, Zach Ertz throws charity function. Like they can't even name the person that's only their attachment to somebody who is also famous and happens to be a man. It was sort of in that category to me. And it wasn't until I read whoever had posted on Facebook's uh, comment saying, wow, this is incredibly damaging to trans women that it hit me. Yeah, duh, oh my gosh. Of course, they're referring to people who menstruate because that encapsulates a wide swath of people. And I say all this because I, I feel like it's good to be it's good to be honest about these sort of moments in your life where you you have to take a step back and, and listen. And I feel like right now we are all, but particularly somebody like me who is a you know white cis male, are being asked to listen. And that was just a small moment in my life where where you know instead of chuckling along with the joke, I should have kind of read that and, and thought myself, you know, but but I won't make that mistake again in the future. That all being said, J.K. Rowling is still on this train. Now, she has since posted, you know, an essay sort of defending her own right. And, and to be honest, she's done this before. You know, when I first read about all this controversy, I, I thought, man, wasn't this like last year? Didn't this all happen last year? What, what's going on? Uh, because she had also made the same kind of damaging comments, you know, on Twitter last year at some point in time. So when this all happened, Jess contacted me and said, you know, I, I, I really don't feel comfortable at all this. Do you think we could have a, a conversation, you know, again, and, and maybe I could get some stuff on my off my chest. And I was so thankful that she did because I know she feels passionately about this stuff. And honestly, I was sort of having trouble thinking of how I wanted to articulate 
you know, the way that made me feel. So I'm glad that Jess and I could do that. So before we get into this episode, which is about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and the beginning of a Furthermore series where a guest and I go back, we read the first 50 pages of every Harry Potter book, and we relive it, and we decide, you know, would you keep reading after that, or would you delve in, or would you shelve it? Before we get to that, I'm going to play a, a phone conversation that Jess and I had talking about J.K. Rowling's comments, because I do think they're damaging. And, you know, she has posted her, her feelings on it. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I happen to disagree with her opinion, and I happened to feel like we need to support trans women. We need to support trans people across this country. I, it's just, I, and I know Jess felt the same. So welcome to Furthermore, the first episode in our series on Harry Potter, where Jess and I are going to go in and take a look at the first 50 pages of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. But first, a conversation between Jess and I regarding J.K. Rowling's very recent transphobic comments. Thank you for listening. I will see you on the other side of this, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So, yeah, so it's hilarious to me as I was editing this, how we were talking about how she just says the stupidest shit on Twitter, and then she goes ahead and does this. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, the reason, I remember, I, like, I knew that we had talked about that a little bit um, during our conversation, but the reason I wanted to reach out and, like, maybe make a comment is because, like, this was this is also different than that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's a big difference between her the usual dumb stuff that she says on Twitter. It's like it's frustrating for me. It's like the Dumbledore is gay thing, yeah. right? Like, okay, cool. So, so you're retconning your work so that um, you know to make it more inclusive. You right. didn't bother to put it on the page the first time, and now it, it was the same thing. Like, I love that the Broadway show cast a black Hermione. Yeah. But then instead of her saying, that's awesome and we should do that, she was like, oh, well, Hermione could have been black in the books. Yeah. Like, no, you would have said that. Like, you're, you're doing all of this. And that that's annoying. Yeah. But it's not destructive. No. You know? This, this is destructive. Like, this is, and this isn't about the books. This is about real people and real politics. Right. And, and that's just, it's a different thing than making annoying comments about the books that kind of make me roll my eyes and so say, shut up, JK. But, like, this is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. Is not that. And know? so in what way do you feel like these comments are, are damaging? Because I absolutely agree, but but I know that you feel passionately about this, so, so I, I do want to hear that from you. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, so the comments that, that um, gender or biological sex, you know, is, is the defining, um, <laughs> defining part of somebody's gender, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's exclusionary, it's damaging, like, we, all of the research says that it's, that's not true, like, we shouldn't have to say this, right, like, no. that trans identity is valid and real, and and gender is not a binary, yeah. right? Like, it, it exists on a spectrum, and all of that is real. And you know, the the term uh, the term is turf, right? It's trans exclusionary radical feminism, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you know they're just worried about women, yeah. Um, and and then have all this really gross, damaging rhetoric about, um men being who they call men but are actually trans women yeah. um being allowed in women only spaces and yeah. how that and it's just 
it's damaging to trans folks. It's damaging to, it's damaging to everybody. It doesn't do anybody any good. No. Um, and she has such the, the worst part about her saying this stuff is that she has such a platform. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's, and so it's, it kind of legitimizes a movement. You know, it gives people who are saying these things validation and it's, that's gross. Like she just, she shouldn't, she shouldn't be talking about this because it's just she has such a a microphone and to use it in this way i just that's it's disgusting and it's really it's upsetting because like you could be doing so much good in the world and for a long time she did and she just yeah well and and to to, to spread hate is really gross yeah and uh, harry potter always felt like something that that taught some good lessons to me and I know how many people are fans of it. And so I know that people are still reading it and it's just one of those things that I can't imagine being a a person young or old reading Harry Potter, being a fan of Harry Potter, uh, who, who identifies in that way and, and seeing those comments and like feeling like, wow, an author of things that I like, it basically like hates me, like basically doesn't believe that I am who I am. And that just must be, an awful feeling. I mean, beyond like what you said, giving giving that the other side of things validation to to spread that hate, that just must be the worst feeling to to feel like, wow, I, I like these things, and yet if I ever met this person, she would not believe the the, the truth of my own self. She would she would right. disagree with that. So I, know. I can't even like for me, like I, I'm queer, but I'm cis, right? So no. I'm not trans. Um, and this was devastating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine, like I've got a number of trans friends who were just crushed by it. Like I can't even imagine what they're going through because I know how upset I got even just, you know, being, being a part of the community, but not that specific part of it. So it was just, yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. And, and I know that we had recorded, you know, this, this thing a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, obviously things have changed a little bit now. So, so Jess had reached out to me and and said, you know, what, what do we want? So I just wanted, you know, to give you a minute right now to just, if you wanted to say anything else specifically about Harry Potter or about her or just about you, I mean, your specific involvement with this podcast talking about Harry Potter too. You know, I know that perhaps now if I had texted you and said, Hey, do you want to reread the first 50 pages of Harry Potter? You maybe would have said, you know what, given her comments recently, no, not particularly. So yeah, I do think I would have just because it, it's it would have been different and more painful even to re-engage. And I feel really bad for anybody who's having that experience now, like thinking about re-engaging with her work. Um, yeah, so that that's I appreciate you giving me some space to talk about it and acknowledge that because um, I know it's got to be hard. Um, the one thing I did want to say, like. The one thing I did want to say is that there's there's been so much great conversation online and in a lot of places about separating the author from the work. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, like, anybody who's struggling with this, I think that that's a totally legitimate thing. Like, the Harry Potter community has been so um, welcoming and so inclusive and so expansive, and they've done all of that work pulling lessons from the books. Um that, that now she doesn't back up, but like right. the community has done that work. So like just if anybody out there is struggling with this or thinking about how to re-engage, 
Um, I don't, I don't think that it's a bad thing to say, you know, that you still love Harry Potter or that you still love the books or, you know, want to be a part of the fandom. Um, I think we all have to figure that out on our own. Like I have, I have probably read the Harry Potter books for the last time (laughs) personally, like they're good memories, but I don't know that I'll be able to re-engage with them. I know that like as a librarian, I'm not going to be promoting her work, which on the one hand, I don't need to, but on the other hand, like I'm not going to be doing that. I'm not going to be giving any money to anything Harry Potter related or themed. Mm -hmm. Like I I'm removing myself from it, but I think that you whether people choose to do that or not, they, it doesn't have to taint the memories of, of what was and what Harry Potter gave to us as kids. Yeah. Um, we could, you so. and I, especially, I think could have a, we could have a whole hour long podcast about separating art from the artist and, and touching on those topics. And, you know, especially in light of so many things that have been going on lately. I mean, this happens, I mean, I think like it even goes beyond that, you know, sort of separating like, being a fan of a, a sports team or a particular player from comments that they've made and stuff, you know, like there's so much out there that sometimes it's, it's sort of defeating to, to like something or, you know, I think about musicians too. And, and then you read things they say and you're like, well, crap. But that, that I do think is one of those things in the world that, that I do believe people could sort of respectfully agree to disagree on in terms of consuming art and separating art from the artist. Um, I don't know, maybe people disagree with that, but, but, but yeah uh what i one thing i I think it's especially true oh sorry just real quick no Um, yeah yeah. i think it's especially true for stuff that you've engaged with in the past yeah historically like you know moving forward you can do i'm with you like i get separating the art from the artist like we all can do that to different degrees i think um, or choose to do that to different degrees but i think it's especially challenging when it's like something that was formative for a lot of us as kids yeah um, and then trying to have to figure out what our relationship that is against that as adults, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, and I absolutely believe that, that that is sort of part of growing up too, is, is those moments of, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that old cliche of like, never meet your hero is, yeah, sometimes you, mm-hmm. you know, you love something so much and then grappling with that. And I, I do think that people can, I mean, like you were saying about the community that, that sometimes things you can grow beyond some of the hurtful things that those people say. And, and I do, I mean, it's just so strange to me that she feels this way because it's like, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to imagine like Hermione Granger in the book being like, everybody come with me. Uh, not you. <laughs> no, right. Not you. You can stay behind and get killed by Voldemort because you're a man who is a woman. Ew, you're gross. I'm not like, it's just so strange to me. that right. It's like, that's not part of the book to me, but but yeah, uh, but one thing I do want to do is, I, you know, I like to try to give a little book recommendation at the end of, of every furthermore episode. And I want, I do want to ask you just a couple recommendations you have right now, but I would love to to pick your brain too. You can even text me this later. Uh, at the end of every episode, I want to give a recommendation of a book, either by a trans author or, or featuring trans characters or, or, or beyond that. But I wanted to give you a chance right now just to, to sort of give any shout out or recommendation to anything that you both as a member of the community and as an awesome librarian would recommend. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's hard because there there's great stuff with trans characters and by trans authors. There's Mm -hmm. so much great stuff out there, but nothing that really exactly maps on to Harry Potter. Right. 
Um, so I'm just going to throw out a couple of recommendations that might be of interest. Like, they're not going to be Harry Potter, but they might be of interest. Totally to fine. Yeah. 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 Who like Harry Potter. Um, the first one is an author. Um, her name's Anna Marie um, McLemore. I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Or, ah, wait, actually, sorry. Their name is Anna Marie McLemore, I think is how you say that. Um, and they have um, a bunch of standalone books. Mm hmm most of which have at least some trans representation, all of which have queer representation. Um, The one in particular that I loved was called When the Moon Was Ours. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's just this really beautiful atmospheric fairy tale. Um, And it's got some great representation. Um, it's beautifully written and all of her work is like, or all of their work, sorry, they just recently came out. So I'm yes. rewriting that in my brain. <laughs> uh, um, all of their work is like, um, uh, kind of strange fairy tales mm-hmm. in that, in the like old tradition of fairy tales where things are like a little grotesque and a little mm. weird and not quite clear. Mm. And they're just, they're really delightful reads. So any of their work for sure. Cool. Um, I remember when the moon was ours. I remember seeing that book around a lot yes. uh, at the store. I kept it around. Yeah, that yeah. was, that was one that I kept around. I will say the paperback cover is terrible. <laughs> um, look, if you're going to look it up, look up the hardcover because the hardcover is gorgeous and the paperback is terrible. Cool. But, <laughs> Um, the, another is a book for adults, but would have a lot of crossover appeal for like, especially like older teens. Um, it's called Magic for Liars Mm -hmm. by Sarah Gailey. Um, Gailey is queer and Mm non-binary. Um, the book doesn't actually have queer representation, but the cool thing about that, um, the book is that it actually does take place at a magic school. Oh, yes. And the main character is um, what Harry, or what J.K. Rowling would call a, a muggle, you know, it, in Harry right, Potter right. language. Right. Um, she's a muggle coming in to um, to uh, investigate a, a death that has happened in the school. Mm-hmm. And so you get this like outsider perspective on the magic school. Um, and there's a lot of magic in it and it's really cool. Um, so if you're interested in like magic, but in that boarding school setting, which is like a whole genre, um, Gailey is an author that, um, you could support that is actually trans. Um, they also have a middle grade novel called when we were magic that is very queer and excellent. And like one of those books that I always wish that I had growing up, right? Cause it's like, they're we're actually getting stuff published now that's super queer. Um, and that's, that's one that is just, it's a lot of fun. Um, those are witches at like a public, regular public school. <laughs> um, so again, magic in schools and that one actually is for a YA audience. Cool. I remember that you had given me, um, river of teeth and, and mm. I can't remember the other one now. Um, Oh damn! I can't remember the other. One. But you'd given me those to to read, um, and I remember Magic for Liars coming out and thinking, "Oh, this sounds cool!" And it had a pretty cool cover. I remember that with the the red and the the pointing hand thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all of all of Gaelic stuff is super cool. Um, yeah. uh, Upright Women Wanted just came out this year as well, mm-hmm. and that is 
queer librarians on horseback. It's like a Western. <laughs> nice. Um, and they're like, the, the librarians are like secretly a part of the resistance. That's so cool. So I cannot recommend that highly enough right now cool. um, because it's super gay and super fun. And if you're thinking about, you know, art and protest right now for right. some reason, I think a lot of us might be. Um, yeah. It would be a really great book to read. <laughs> yeah, that. cool, cool, cool. Do you have any more that you want to throw out real quick? Because again, I'm I'm gonna text you and and we'll talk. You know, a, a, maybe a link to something, and and I'll I'll try to include at least one at the end of every episode. But if you had any one, any other one you wanted to shout out real quick. Um. Yeah, I'll get you. I'll get you a list. I'll cool. put together a list for sure. But I think you know what I am gonna. I was debating whether or not to shout this out because this is a sideways recommendation, but I'm going to here. Yeah. Um. Um. One of my favorite um, queer books recently has been Space Opera by Catherine Valenti. Oh, yes. Any chance to talk about Valenti, but it is um, Eurovision in space. (laughs) Um, It's a little bit, so it's maybe a sideways recommendation because it's more um, sci-fi. It's more in the vein of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or whatever, but it's super cool. Um, So much fun. So, like, silly and engaging. Um, and Delancey's a, a queer author, um, and the main character of um, Space Opera describes himself as a gender splat <laughs> and um, is, like, openly, uses he, him pronouns, but is openly, like, gender queer, non-conforming in the book, cool. which is super cool. So if you're just looking for some um, representation that is a fun distracting one for right now um i i love it so much that one is um you know when i when i get back to the store that one was very high on my list of something to grab because uh, i find that i have less time to read although maybe with the commute i'll have more but i I keep trying to read before bed and fall asleep because you know having a newborn does that so something that i know i can like read and it'll be fast and fun and stuff like that with with little time to read was like definitely a very high up my list right now so and if you're interested in audiobooks, um, I know you don't do audiobooks often, right? Uh, I don't, although, you know, I, I, well, I mean, I've been home a lot more, so I've been listening to more, like, podcasts and things, yeah. but, um, I, you know, I'm always up for a recommendation. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody's interested in audiobooks, um, I've listened to that one. I've read that and mm-hmm. listened to it on audio, and the audio is so good. It's actually narrated by Valencia's partner, um, who's a professional audiobook narrator oh, cool. and Australian. Oh, neat. So you get the accent, but he also does just like such fun voices um, and like really has a good time narrating it. Cool. Um, and so it's a lot of fun to, to listen to. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jess. I know that you really wanted to, to talk about this, and I know that you have some awesome library programming to go prepare for, but I really appreciate you talking about this and and in a way i'm i'm like extra glad now that you were my first guest on this because i know that uh that you you have the most uh insightful things to say about this topic of of, of many of the people that i know so yeah well thank you again for you know giving me the space to talk about it and think through some of some of this yeah absolutely There's a better way to spend the day to tell me what it is. Hanging out by the lake with the marauders and the giant squid. A 
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Furthermore. I'm Andy, joined via Zoom by our good friend Jess. Jess, welcome back again to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back for this. This is fun. So Jess and I, are, we're doing the first in a little Harry Potter retrospective that, uh, that I've been wanting to do. So Jess, guinea pig, in the first book. You, you're doing the first Harry Potter book with me, but is this, I sort of forced you into not picking probably your favorite one. Would this have been your, your pick? For my favorite one? Or, or like one that you really wanted to talk about. Oh, um, I mean, I'm excited to talk about this. Good. Yeah, um, but my favorite one is the fourth one. Okay. I just love the Triwizard Tournament. Ooh, interesting. So that's my favorite of them. Interesting. All right, I have so many Harry Potter questions that, we, that we'll get into, but I just want to, you know, Jess and I have been chatting otherwise, but you've, you've been in quarantine. You are still doing stuff with the library. Uh, is there anything... Quarantine-wise, like books or, or even what you're doing at the library, just any like little thing you want to shout out or talk about real quick before we chat Harry Potter? Um, I mean, so quarantine, yeah, it's been wild um, in the stay-at-home way. Um, the library is doing amazing work, so if you're in New York, check out Brooklyn Public Library because a whole bunch of us are doing, I think, really awesome, um, virtually really building community um online and that's been a lot of fun and i work with these amazing people who have all been you know really hard behind the scenes so shout out to my library um i'm really honored to be working with them right now nice um and then otherwise it's been reading's been hard you know um so I've been watching a lot of TV, and I was just telling Andy about my sourdough starter. I jumped on that bandwagon. <laughs> Risa and I, we have neighbors that um, at the top of our street, that's a, a family, a mom, mom and dad and their daughter who's in eighth grade, and they play badminton in the street every night uh, in front of our other neighbor's house. Who are, you know, all our neighbors are really sweet people. And uh, we were out there chatting with them at a, at a safe distance the other day, and we were talking about sourdough stuff. And I was like, you know, I've been making sourdough for a while. I was making sourdough before it was cool, and everybody was really quiet for a second. And Reese was like, you're such a hipster. And the badminton people were like, yeah, we didn't want to say anything, but like, yeah, way to be a hipster. And I was like, fine, whatever, but it's true. I have been. I actually was literally baking a bread as we started this Zoom conversation. So it's it's out in my kitchen cooling, and the whole house yeah. smells sour and vinegary, and it's great so nice mm. yeah, i know i know you've been doing it forever i wish that we were closer so that i could have gotten some of your starter yeah. because i am starting mine from scratch and yep. it is not going well yep. but we will see i got mine actually my sister-in-law had a friend who brought some sourdough starter back from san francisco somewhere so mine is sort of an inherited sort of chain starter somehow um and it's mm. it's survived in the fridge for a little while and then it survived a pretty heavy mold attack at one point in time that i had to clean out and so it's still going it's still going i named mine squirtle because it's a starter oh very nice mine's <laughs> named <laughs> um i let somebody else name mine mine's named doan like Moana. Oh, there you go. Don't want to. All Disney right. Movie. All right. Don't want to. Yeah. I it was like a... no one knows how far she grow, <laughs> you know. Can I have a quick tangent about Moana? And that's that um, the song, the very popular song from Moana. Um, it's one of those songs that when I hear it, I get a different song stuck in my head. So, you know, I don't know the, the words to the song by heart, but you know, the 
That one there, but then when I get it stuck in my head, I start singing a song from a Muppet Christmas Carol. I start singing I don't know why. It just it happens, but have you rewatched Moana since quarantine? Because we did. I watched Moana for the first time. Ooh in quarantine i had never seen it but i did cave and sign up for disney plus and i watched it for the first time and so um it felt appropriate it feels like a very quarantine moment to have a sourdough starter named after a movie that i watched in quarantine like just yeah, it's great. Disney Plus has been it's been good. We uh, we watched The Mandalorian on it, finally got around to that and when we're watching Pixar movies, which have always been the thing. I don't have a lot of DVDs, but that's always been the thing that I was like I really want to be able to rewatch. Funny enough, I would actually really like to be able to rewatch the Harry Potter movies, which brings me into a segue into some more Harry Potter questions for you because we're going to yes. talk about Harry Potter. So the the very first one is what Harry Potter, what Hogwarts house are you in? I'm Ravenclaw. Okay. Obviously, I'm Ravenclaw. Yes. I am hard Ravenclaw. <laughs> hard Ravenclaw, bro. Uh, hard Ravenclaw. Like, you even do the ones where it's like divide, like what yeah. percentage of are you from each house? And it's like 80% Ravenclaw and 15% Slytherin. <laughs> and like, just forget about Gryffindor and Hufflepuff. <laughs> That's really funny. Did you always feel that you were, I mean, I, I meet people all the time that are like, oh, I know I'm, I'm this house and this house. And I never knew for myself. I was like, I don't know. I probably would be. I knew it wasn't Gryffindor or Slytherin. So I was, I was like, I don't know. I'm probably one of the other two. But when you read the books, were you like, oh, I'm totally a Ravenclaw? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like, that, that just always made sense. The, the nerdy, like, you know. And then when you find out in later that you have to, like, answer a riddle to yeah. get into their common room and everything. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, I've, I've always been Ravenclaw. Yeah. I always thought Wait, I, I. What are you then? I honestly always thought I would be Ravenclaw. I was like, yeah, you know what? The more I think about it, I'm Ravenclaw. Uh, and Risa always was like, I'm definitely a Hufflepuff, like 100%. We finally did the the Pottermore quiz and it was reversed. I was a Hufflepuff and she was a Ravenclaw. That makes more sense to me, I think. Yeah. Not gonna lie. I, I, I could see it now a little bit more. There's still parts. I feel like where if we did the like half house thing, like I feel like it would be a kind of an even split. But thinking about the fact that the the. Uh, Hufflepuff houses, you know, by the kitchen. I was like, yeah, that, that's probably true. <laughs> that's, yeah. pro- that's probably me. Um, did, and Hufflepuffs are very good finders. Good finders. And Riss is always like, they're loyal. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, thanks, babe. Um, did you? So did you do the Pottermore quizzes? Did you? Do you know your Patronus? Um, I did do the Pottermore quiz. I don't remember what my um, Patronus is. I feel like no. this is similar to our what's your, your Damon question from the Golden yeah. Compass. For sure. I think so. <laughs> um, so in terms of then what, books and movies, what are your opinions on the movies? I have only seen the movies once. I don't go back to them. I didn't particularly care for them. Hmm. I did do the, the midnight release of the seventh one oh, where we went um, to see the, the first half played up until like a half hour before midnight. And then the second one oh, starts at cool. midnight. Yeah, that was a fun, like, that was a fun experience. I did that with some college friends, Mm -hmm. and so, like, that was a, I was in college at the time, and, like, that was a fun thing, but 
I I think the the movie got it wrong. Hmm. <laughs> um, I just like I think that they didn't make a lot of sense necessarily, partly because they were being made as the books were being finished. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like they were kind of disjointed in some ways. I feel like they lose the magic after like the fourth one. They just forget that they're supposed to be in like robes and like it's magic. Yep. Like the first ones had some of that. So like I'm I'm not a big fan of yeah. this, honestly. Actually rereading th- this, I was struck by how much like from the first movie I remembered and and how magical the first movie felt and like all these little things and then thinking about the like green and blue washed tones of the like fifth and sixth movies and everything just looked dark yeah. and yeah everyone's in like grungy clothes all the time and stuff it's yeah it's like yeah very and, strange i mean in a sense they had to cut like they're long books especially the later ones yeah but yeah they do they do like they cut out like the um the scenes in the great hall they cut out the quidditch like some of the stuff that makes that's the most imaginative and makes the book so magical feeling yeah. or like those little details yeah. and they just leave those out, you know, the cl- going to class. Yeah. They, the movies leave a lot of that out so that they can hit all the plot points, which makes. Right. But then it, it yeah. Sense. Honestly, we're being made today. It would be a series. It would be like a, a TV show. Yeah. 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 They really do. They feel very rushed, like looking back on it. Uh, so, okay. So you said the fourth book is your favorite book. You like the, the like, triwizard structure of it? Is that why? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you get dragons. Yeah. And, like, people And, like, the the maze. And, yeah, I just, I loved that. Yeah. Um, I think that's also influenced by the fact that I really, really, really hate the fifth book. <laughs> um, and the fourth one, because... Like everything that I love about the fourth is just missing in the fifth, so it's like they also contrast each other. Yeah. If you do a complete reread or something. Yeah. When I when I envisioned doing this, because we're gonna give Harry Potter the the furthermore treatment here, where we just read the first fifty pages, and we'll talk about you know like hey, would you would you go back? But you know I figure like the first couple books it'll be like knock out of the park. Like of course I'd keep reading, but I was thinking about the later ones and even like the the. I don't remember if it's the fourth one. One of them starts and it's like a groundskeeper and there's Voldemort. And like some of them have really weird beginnings that I'm like, man, you know, I remember the magical fun stuff towards the end. and But I very much remember not really liking the beginning of the fifth book. I was like, oh my God, I could. So do you, um, do you have a favorite? Well, Harry's so angry. He really, <laughs> he really is. It's just pissed at everyone. Uh, do you have a favorite character in these books? Um, yeah, I mean, so my favorite character is probably Luna Lovegood. Mm. She She's just delightful mm-hmm. and so weird and so, like, charming and flighty. And I, I just, I really love her. But then also, um, then there's the trifecta of, I think, the three women that the book should have been about, which that's Ginny, McGonagall, and Hermione. Yeah. Like, the, the the three of them particularly and that's something that I think is a lot different in the movies the movies like wash out how powerful and amazing they are and the books are just like like Ginny is such a better character in the books yeah she's like such a badass yeah there there's a different podcast about Harry Potter that that I like and they talk I think part of it is that they cast that actress and then when she got older 
I don't know if they liked her as much, so they stopped sort of writing things for her. But yeah, like mm. going back, remembering how much of a great character Ginny is in, in those things is, is a lot of fun. I mean, Hermione's always a great character, and so is McGonagall. I was actually happy to remember how much, you know, even if it's just a little bit, how much McGonagall we get in the first 50 pages of, of the Sorcerer's yeah. Stone. So has there, if there ever been any other Harry Potter like media stuff besides the movies that you ever got into? I remember there were, were games and, you know, other things like that. No, I never really got into, into it. Um, so Harry Potter occupies this really kind of strange place for me mm-hmm. where I did read them growing up. I loved them. I read the fourth one and because that, there was such a long wait between the fourth and the fifth. Yeah. I read it till it basically fell apart. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to imply at all that these were not important books in my reading life, but at a certain, like I think after that seventh one came out, I just kind of, I was the senior in high school and I just won and I was reading other things and like, do you know getting into other fandoms Mm -hmm. never really so then when the media like when more of the movies came out and there was like potter more and all that stuff i was kind of like doing other things so uh, i never really got into any of that other stuff um in the way that like i had friends who did yeah so when you were you were a senior in high school it came out that summer i remember was that i always forget if we were on the same did you graduate high school in 2007 no i graduated in 2009 Wow, I'm, that, I'm two years old. Wow, <laughs> I forget. So for me, I was there was like this weird period of time where I was sort of the same age as Harry. Like that that book came yeah. out this for me the summer between senior year and college, and I remember it being like, yeah, this is like his like Harry's last year of of school. So interesting. So you read that. I mean, I, I actually do kind of feel that. Yeah. I, you know, for a while I kept rereading the books up until the um, the next one would come out. Yeah. And then I, I honestly, since that last one came out, I don't think I've gone back and reread through all the Harry Potter books, which is now what in thirteen years. I don't think I've gone back and, and reread any oh, of them. Maybe I did once, but uh, but it, certainly it's been a long time since then. Yeah, I reread all of them right before the seventh came out. Yeah. And then didn't until, so two or three years ago, I listened to them all on audio. But yes, that was the right. first time I had revisited any of them since the seventh one had come out. Yeah. So I've only read the seventh one. I mean, I think I read it twice, kind of back to back when it came out. Mm-hmm. I, I stayed up all night and read it in one sitting. Nice. And then I think that summer I read it another time. But then after that, it, yeah, it was just a couple of years ago that I read them. Yeah. Did you, when you were a kid, did you start with the first one? Um, yeah, well, no, I, by the time that I got them, the first three were out. So I read all three and then I had to wait for the fourth. Yeah, I find this weird thing, and I think this happened with me, that I started reading, I think with my brother, we started reading the second one because that was the one that had just come out. And it's weird to like think back now and be like, how could you start? But at that point in time, there was only one other book. And so I think, you know, he took it out of the library or something. and was like, this is a new book that people like, you know, let's let's read it. So I remember we read through part of it and then it was like, I don't understand what's going on. And then we found out there was a different one or something like that. So I was always a much bigger Harry Potter fan than he was. I don't think he read past like the third or fourth book. He never really cared, but... 
But yeah, I, I, I actually feel like I had that same kind of experience of, you know, I always really liked Harry Potter, but um, yeah, there were other, other fandoms to, to get into, other worlds to explore, other Arthur Dents to, to ride on the robe tails of, you know, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the way I, this might be dumb, but the way I always say it to people, when people ask, like, oh, where I find out I'm a reader, and they're like, are you a big Harry Potter fan? I'm like, yeah. look, I have half a dozen literary tattoos and quotes not one of them is Harry Potter and I've never considered it. And at this point, never will. Yeah. Like, yep. and so that's how I always mark Like, yeah, they were kind of important to my reading life, but not, not something that I've tattooed on myself. And when I've got a lot, I think that yeah, it explains it, you know? Do you find often that people, and I'm thinking like people that I know aren't avid readers and you're not anybody like particularly close with, but I feel like a lot of people that are our age grew up reading Harry Potter and maybe have never really picked up a book again, uh, but they still profess themselves to be really yeah. giant Harry Potter fans, right? Like, I think that's such an interesting cultural thing because it's funny that you and I both are like, yeah, you know, we really, we really do like Harry Potter and we've read other things. And I hope this isn't all coming across as like snoot, snooty, like, yes, we read books. But I just think that it is interesting that there's a lot of people that still really cling to Harry Potter, but that have no interest in reading anything else. Yeah, it's like they they left that in adolescence. Yeah, it's you know like I was a big reader as a kid. I read all the Harry Potter books, but no, I don't really read now that you know. Yep, I remember when Cursed Child came out. There was a lot of people like on that you know I'm friends with on Facebook and stuff. They're like, I'm so excited, I'm so excited, and it was like, have you read anything in the past few years? And then they were really disappointed in Cursed Child and was like, yeah, well it's a play. Like it wasn't like it's a new Harry Potter book. <laughs> so weird. Have yeah. you have you read anything else that J.K. Rowling ever wrote? Did you read like Casual Vacancy or the or the mystery novels? I don't know. No, Jess is I shaking haven't. her head um, for for anybody who can't see us on the podcast. Jess just shook her head. No. <laughs> it's a long like. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I haven't read anything else, but um, and at this point, honestly, I I won't be. I, she's such a problematic figure anymore. Like, yeah. I'm, uh, there are other readers to read as yeah. well. Yeah. Or other authors to read yeah. as well. She's somebody that every time I see a news story come up, I'm like, oh, this isn't gonna be good. <laughs> this, yeah. this is gonna be weird really every time she opens her mouth i like harry potter a little bit less yeah, yeah, so yeah. i would like her to just go away please <laughs> she's also somebody that i always see the flip side of that is that i always see articles that are like jk rowling absolutely owned a twitter a twitter troll and you like look at it and she's like you are dumb and everyone's like whoa <laughs> okay, okay calm down so, yeah, but all right. Well, Jess and I went back and we read the very first fifty pages of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which was just a wild blast from the past. So let's get into this. Let's 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 break down these first fifty pages here. Um, we begin with the Dursleys, which is something I forgot to be honest with you. Uh, I I had really forgotten the first little chunk of this book and. You know, as, as, as I've studied writing and stuff, part of me really wondered where exactly she started writing it and if this was like a thing that she went back in and wrote um, because yeah. it's actually kind of cool to start. I, I thought this was a good bit of world building in these, in these first many pages uh, because it's a great place. I mean, you have a book about wizards and about a boy wizard and stuff, but you still 
start with what is normal to us and to the world and to the reader and then tell us the weird different little things about it, which I thought was really cool. You know, we're in our world, but there's all these weird people in capes and a cat reading a map. Like, that's good world building to me. So I wondered how much it was like. I wonder if she started on Harry's 11th birthday and then went back and was like, it would probably be better to kind of go back and, and place us there. Um, but so, yeah, we, we start with the Dursleys and, and Vernon... Dursley, uh, seeing wizards and, and strange people out and about. How did these first couple pages, was this like as much of a nostalgia blast for you as it was for me? Oh, for sure. Um, and I think I, I very much did remember this. And that, that first line is so kind of iconic. Kind yeah. Of, like, yeah, it's not with, but we're proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. Yeah. Like it's such a kind of iconic moment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, very much a, a blast from the past, <laughs> but in, in a kind of delightful way. I agree that it's an excellent place to start. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't imagine she started writing it here, but yeah. I, I agree that it was smart to yeah. go back and do it this way. And there's a little, um, it's it's just very, it's very storyteller-esque. I mean, it really does feel like she's sitting you down by the fire and telling you this story. I mean, there's a part where she's, uh, where it's written, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley woke up on the dull gray Tuesday. Our story starts. Feels very welcoming, you know. Our story, and um, I know that that Benna, my daughter, is she's she's very small. You know, she's only a couple months old. But I've been trying to read snippets of The Hobbit to her when I want her to like, you know, go down for a nap or you know, we got you know, it's more for me than for her. But you know, it's never too early to read, and it it, it kind of reminded me of just like a teeny bit of that of like you know, the narrator is talking directly to the reader is kind of giving you the nudge in, you know, and say, saying things like, they were very normal, thank you very much, you know, and our story is here. It's all very nice and very welcoming and was like, wow, okay, yeah, ooh, here we go. Well, and, you know, this is something that I, so I did, the last time I reread them was on audio, so maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like this is something that you lose as the books go more. This, I was a little surprised to remember how, or to see and remember how present the narration is, how yeah. present that narrator voice is. Yeah. Um, and I feel like you lose that as the books go on and they get more adult, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, it feels very much like she, you know, J.K. Rowling is writing about the world and stuff. And as I think as the books go on, it gets a little more focused on the characters and, and stuff like that. Um, I do think that the other books, and I guess I'll see when I when I reread re those, that they have a little bit more sort of like recapping in the in the first little pages of like Harry Potter was a boy with a scar in his forehead because his parents died, and also he was a wizard. Like I think that there's a little of that as the books go on, but right now it feels kind of nice for for the narrator to take their time. So. Uh, we, we are introduced to the Dursley family, which is Vernon and Petunia and their horrible son, Dudley. Uh, um, and Vernon is going off to work and he's seeing some very strange things. He's seeing uh, what we now know are wizards, but people in strange cloaks and setting off, you know, weird fireworks. There's a cat reading a map right outside their house. Uh, and he goes off to work and, you know, the, the we, we get this sense and we know that there's something about Petunia's sister that they don't like and and he wonders if it has to do with them and so while vernon dursley vernon dursley is at work he goes across the street to the bakery and uh to get a, a dessert and he hears somebody talking about the potters and about harry potter and he thinks oh god that's that's petunia's sister there's a great line in here which i thought 
just in the in the in the context of our world uh very funny was you know he's he hears somebody say the potters that's right that's what i heard yes their son harry and he starts to freak out a little bit and he's like it's got to be them and then he calms himself down and it says uh you know he was sure there were lots of people called potter who had a son called harry and I just think that's funny because I just thought of all the people who are actually named Harry Potter in the world who, you know, my dad always jokes about this of like, can you imagine being named Harold Potter and like calling a hotel for a reservation and being like, you know, okay, put the reservation under Potter. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's the first name? Harry. Like, yeah. Okay. Albus Dumbledore. I'll get the room ready for you. And, you know, click. So I just, I thought that was funny in the context of like how big these books became. Yeah, for sure. So we, uh, we get some more, you know, he goes home, he, he asks his wife, you know, have you seen anything very strange going on? Have there been some strange things on the news? Finally gets the courage to ask her about her sister because, you know, she hates talking about her sister. And, you know, she says she's heard nothing about that. So, you know, eventually he decides it's just, it's got to be something different. You know, it's, it's nothing. And here we shift to the cat outside on the wall and it's Professor McGonagall and, and Albus Dumbledore. And I mean, again, it's just such such nice narration of, you know, we were introduced to a man wearing long purple robes. His blue eyes were light. This man's name was Albus Dumbledore. Albus Dumbledore didn't seem to realize he'd just arrived in a street where everything from his name to his boots was unwelcome. So just a lot of like nice, very sort of simple world building. And it, it does feel like the beginning of, of a very fun and very interesting fairy tale. Uh, there's there's a lot of controversy in, in the Harry Potter world about the put-outer slash deluminator. Have you heard any of this? I have not. So, what is the controversy? <laughs> a lot of people, what we come to later learn is the deluminator, which is this little sort of, it looks like a lighter that Albus Dumbledore has and he uses to, to basically take the light from the lampposts. And this book is called a put-outer with, with capital letters. And it eventually gets a name, the deluminator, and people online have defended that, you know, it was like, this was, you know, what, it was like a flaw in the books, right? Like, oh, she just didn't name it the Deluminator and eventually she came up with a name because it's such a dumb name or something. And I only bring it up because as a writer, and I mean, there's so much in this, in this first 50 pages even that comes back later, you know, we see Albus Dumbledore and, and McGonagall, they're talking about Harry and about what happened. And we have a mention of Sirius Black, who's a character that comes later in these books I don't remember him being mentioned again in these books. So, you know, clearly she's thinking about the bigger picture in these characters and sort of these books and stuff. But this to me is just an example of like, she didn't have a name for it. And later she came up with a name for it and whatever, that's fine. She's a writer. Like that's what happens. But I've seen this online and stuff of like, wow, good job. You put out her here. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just weird. It's dumb, but it's funny to me. So this is this is something that gets me about, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but this is something that gets me about both the Harry Potter fandom and of her specifically. Is she has she wants the myth to be that she had this all planned out. She knew everything from the beginning. She knew that all. I'm sorry, that is not like I I don't buy it. And when she goes back and tries to retcon it, I'm just like it, it wasn't a mistake think but it also wasn't her knowing i i bet if you asked her she would say albus dumbledore had just invented this and he yep. didn't have a name for it yet yep. but this random thing happened fourth book and that's for the deluminator and it's all there it's, no you were writing books no. for kids you had no idea that this was going to be how big it was and then when you got to the seventh book and needed something to get 
Ron home, you remembered that you had things, so you used it. And you realized that put outer works when your audience is seven doesn't work when your audience is 17 so you gave it a better name i'm sorry like just stop talking jk rowling because it it wasn't (laughs) like i just don't buy this myth that she had everything all planned out yeah yeah and that therefore this is a mistake or whatever right and i don't buy that like oh there's mythology in the books that explains this no they're books they're cleverly constructed but not perfectly so so just everybody needs to calm down yep that's exactly the way i feel of like i can very much imagine that she had a lot of these ideas you know planned out in her head but obviously more stuff comes to you as as you're going along and writing it's actually the way i kind of felt about star wars of like i imagine that george lucas probably thought like you know oh and anakin actually was this and later but i can't imagine he had everything planned out like you're telling me george lucas had jar jar binks in his head walking around in 1977 like no that's not the case it came later whatever it's just it's okay it's okay to go back and fix something especially as time time goes by very funny i think like she didn't it's not like she wrote all these once and then started publishing them right yeah you live she lived you know, 15 years from the first word until the last word. Yep. She got other ideas in those 15 years. Like she saw had experiences that gave her new ideas. Absolutely. Comes into it. Yep. And yep. you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick this bone. Not as I, I promise I won't go on such a tangent, but I am gonna repick this bone. <laughs> Do it. It, with something that happens here. Oh, good, cool. So, uh, so we have. We'll, uh, we'll, we get there. I'll okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Albus Dumbledore, and he uh, he starts talking to the cat who becomes a woman, and it's Professor McGonagall. I thought this was funny that he he refers to her as Professor McGonagall, which is just a very um, that's just like a very writing thing. It's like you know when you when you think about their relationship later, it would be weird to you know not call her Minerva, right? It would just it would be funny, but of course he just says fancy seeing you here, yeah. Professor McGonagall, and you know it's just very funny. Um, so that yeah, they start talking about. How, you know, everybody and the, the wizards are out and about or are probably celebrating a little bit too much, but they seem to be a little more somber because we, we then learn that uh, James and Lily Potter have died. And it's true that Voldemort, this this very uh, evil, we're given that, you know, nobody wants to say, you know, McGonagall doesn't want to say his name. So early on, we sort of know, okay, this Voldemort guy is, is bad news. Um, they talk about how he is dead and that the only survivor of, of Voldemort trying to kill Lily and James Potter is their baby. And no one really knows how it happened, uh, but Harry Potter is still alive. And I think um, Dumbledore sometime later has a, has a nice line of like, I wouldn't be surprised if everyone was celebrating this as Harry Potter Day or something like that for, for the rest of, of time. Um, and here we get our first... Uh, we get our first mention of Sirius Black, and then we get Hagrid riding in the sky on a motorbike, just so so fanciful and stuff. And uh, Albus and Minerva and Hagrid sort of grieve for Harry or for Lily and James, and they decide that leaving Harry, you know, Albus decides leaving Harry with the Dursleys with his family is the best course of action. And maybe it's because I'm a new dad, but they they just leave Harry outside on the doorstep. They didn't even ring the doorbell. Like, I don't care. You can leave him outside. And the, but they just walk away. Like, he's a, he's a year old. Knock on the damn door or something. How long was it before he was sleeping outside for, like, five hours? What the hell? <laughs> I really wrote this note down. It's like, what? I, I thought the same thing. Like, you can apparate, ring the doorbell, and yeah. just yeah. 
disappear. Like walk twenty feet away and and magic a rock at the window or something. Like come on, I was. <laughs> Like, Dumbledore is so careful to make sure that he's with family. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he just fucking left him on the doorstep. I'm surprised he didn't get eaten by English wolves. Come on, Dumbledore. So, so then we skip to ten years later, and we meet our intrepid hero, Harry Potter, the boy who lived in the cupboard under the stairs. And, you know, it's so there are so many little things that, like, stick out in my memory as, like, a thing, you know. And that was one of them. I just, I remember being sort of captivated by the idea that there was a boy living in the cupboard under the stairs. And one thing I remember about being a kid and reading this book was that I, I think I had read, around this time or not far off, a lot of Roald Dahl. And how much this sort of struck me is that, like that seemed like a thing from a Roald Dahl book to me, you know, a boy in a cupboard under the stairs is just sounded so mysterious and weird and interesting. And, and I don't know, there's a lot in these first 50 pages that feel very magical or very charming to me for lack of a, a different word. And it's not weirdly enough what I remember most about Harry Potter as they got more adult and, and moved on. For sure. And, you know, actually in this chapter, there's a lot of that. Um, Harry, the, all the stuff that Harry thinks, like, weird things always happen around him. They're all really goofy, silly. They very much have that Roald Dahl um, feel to it. And it's actually something I was thinking about a lot on this 50-page reread. And I, when you and I do this, I, we always end up in this place. Sorry, this is my <laughs> this is my area here. But they feel like children's books. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like they, they think kids' books. They, this is a book you would hand to an eight-year-old. It's very whimsical and charming, starting with the with his hair growing back after Petunia shaves it, basically. Yeah. Right? Like, it's all very silly and cute. Yeah. And um, that you, I know you lose. As the, well, and I don't even want to say it's something that I can't imagine being a kid and these books today because they, for our generation, we did book with them. And the right, like by the seventh book, they're YA books. By the fifth book, they're YA books. Yeah. They're darker. They're not as silly. They're angstier. But this feel, and I don't know how you even begin to hand these books to a kid because no. you want to hand this one to a year old, but they're not necessarily ready for the darkness of the laters. Um, and it's just so fascinating to me to, to think about how they evolve um, as the audience did. I yeah. think that was just such a singular moment for us. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all that to say, I totally agree with your assessment <laughs> as like Roald Dahl. <laughs> yeah. Because this is like what that feel it has that like goofy creepy weirdish you know thing that was going on there and was like this is why we gobbled them up right. especially weirdos like you and me yeah. right like yeah. <laughs> this is why we gobbled this yeah the first three up as kids i was still and still am today so charmed and, and fascinated by a story that takes place in our world but has some weird stuff going on in it that always you know that that love was inspired in me as a kid with things like this and and you're absolutely right about how they got i remember thinking it was kind of cool that they got darker and more mature as as time went by and as i did you know it it changes your opinion too of like yeah you know when you think about this first book you don't think of it now as a children's book but it really does feel like a kid's book it feels like something for kids now and and I think two part of that is like when you're a teenager, you're like, they're not kids books. They're dark. Like they get, but they get that way. They're not necessarily start that way. So. Right. 
Um, so yeah, as Jess was mentioning, well, Harry... and she she very much knew her audience. Yeah. I think, with that, you know, like she she was recognizing that her audience was primarily growing up with Harry and like fit that tone appropriately. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really smart thing that she did, and I think she executed it really well. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot of fun to go back and remember how lightful and weird the. This yep. Was. Yep. Yeah, and and we we learn that Harry Potter is a young boy, and like Jess was saying, that weird things happen to you know he's being chased by his cousin and and the bullies at school, and he ends up on the roof, and the poor kid always gets blamed for this stuff. You know, he his his aunt gives him a haircut because she's so sick of it growing back so fast, and he's so embarrassed about what it's going to look like that the next day he wakes up and it's all grown back, and somehow she's really mad at him for that, like it was his fault, you know. So uh, it's it's his cousin Dudley's birthday. Dudley is just a huge pain in the ass. He's got, what, uh, 37 presents in the last year. He'd gotten 38, so they promised, you know, his parents promised to buy him two more presents on the way. Uh, but Harry is supposed to go and be babysat by this woman because every year the Dursleys take Dudley out on, on a little day trip uh, for his birthday. But this year his babysitter canceled. So Harry Potter gets to go to the zoo, uh, which is which is just fascinating for him. So he gets to go to the zoo. Okay, and... so wait, this is this is the bone that I want to pick okay, though, real quick. Go for it. Um, Mrs. Big breaks her leg. Yeah. And therefore Harry can't go. Right. And later she's on crutches. You later find out that Mrs. Big is a plant sent to watch over Harry. She's a she doesn't have magic. That's right. But she's a plant. She's in the magical community. Right. You, you're telling me that she didn't know any witches or wizards who could come over and magic her leg broken <laughs> I would, or unbroken? Like, I, if I was Mrs. Big, I'd be, I'd be like, I'm not going to be a watchdog anymore. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm on crutches. Fix my leg. Don't fix my damn leg. So this is just like a moment that, right, like, this is just another moment that I don't right. think she, J.K. Rowling, had this all plotted out. Like, it was later that she realized that she needed a plant and this was a good. This was a character she had mentioned who could believably be a plant. Right. But there's no way. If you trust, if I know a wizard or a witch, and I break anything, I'm getting them to apparate over to my house and, <laughs> and fix that. Uh, come on, Albus. It's 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 Shirley. Shirley anyway. Fig. Can you can you fix my leg? <laughs> Tripped over the damn cats again. <laughs> I never. I didn't even remember that exactly. that was her. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> I didn't even remember that was her. That's too funny. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I mean, in a weird way, I guess this isn't sort of the the catalyst for things, but this is sort of the biggest thing that's happened to Harry is that he goes to the zoo and he and and the Dursleys find themselves in the reptile the the reptile room uh, to to steal from a series of unfortunate events, and uh, he ends up talking to a snake, which winks at him, and 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 you know he he discusses, and as Dudley and his friend come over to the snake because they see it doing cool stuff with Harry. They start, you know, tapping on the glass and stuff, and somehow, all of a sudden, the glass is magically gone, and there's the snake just slithering away. As the snake is slithering away, the, so it's a Brazilian python, I believe, and as it's slithering away, it says something like, Harry could just hear, thanks, amigo, but I, I think I did write down right around here, too, of like, I just, you know... Harry Harry is a character, is one of the, the characters that we stay with the longest, and I forget what he's like when he's just a 10 year old kid with the Dursleys. And I wrote down like, I, I like Harry. We're rooting for Harry. He's, he's stepped on so much by his family that when he gets little things, it makes him happy. So like 
as they're pulling up to the zoo, they stop to buy Dudley and his friend an ice cream. And before they can not buy Harry something, the woman is like, don't you want to get something for him? And he gets a lemon lolly. And, you know, it's like, it was actually pretty good. Like, it's nice. Harry got a little something sweet for once. instead. Like, this is good. We're rooting for him. We like Harry. And I remember moments where I didn't like Harry later in the books. of Like, oh, you're a bonehead. Why did you do that or that? That it felt kind of fun to be like, right, good old little Harry Potter. I was rooting for him this whole time. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. that And that, that's such a charming moment that he's just kind of like contentedly eating his lemon pop. Yeah. And you, yeah, you do. You feel bad for him. You want nice things to happen to him. Yeah. He gets punished for it by his uncle for the snake escaping because, you know, somehow it's Harry Potter's fault. Uh, and as he, you know, he, he's trapped in his cupboard under the stairs for a little while but eventually he's let out and, and we get this sort of nice you know we're, we're moving into the summer holidays and for once harry is not going to be at the same school as his cousin who's a big bully he's going to a different school as they get a little bit older and again it's like this nice little thing like poor harry you know hey he gets to actually go to a different school you know maybe it won't be so bad and and you know he gets to spend the summer kind of wandering around and getting some time away from his family and as he's getting ready to go to this new school he gets a letter in the mail, and he's never gotten a letter before. Uh, and his uncle intercepts the letter and freaks out. And we get this great buildup of every day there's more letters. And, and the letter is addressed to Harold Potter, the cupboard under the stairs at, at Privet Drive. And wherever he moves, because the family moves him upstairs to the second room, the letter is then addressed to that room. And, and this absolutely is just one of those like charming things that I, I remembered this, but still felt really fun to read of like, oh yeah, there's more letters every day. There's more letters, no matter where Harry is. It's addressed to him specifically there. All these letters was just really, really sweet. Well, and this whole series also is so, like slap, again, the kind of like Roald Dahl-esque like slapstick and yep. funny children's books. I mean, there's this whole bit where Dudley's new private school, they all get these smelting sticks <laughs> that they're stick, supposed yeah. to use to beat up on each other when <laughs> teachers aren't looking to build character. And so there's all these bits with like Dudley smacking harry with the smelting stick or yep. beating stuff down and they like tussle at one point over there's where they're you know dudley is smacking him with the smelting stick yeah. and mr dursley is wrestling and yeah. harry's jumped on his back <laughs> and and the the letters are like coming through the cracks yep. in the door like it's very silly and very fun yeah yeah, absolutely. I like the smelting stick. He had it for most of this summer, and it was just like, you know, every day there's Dudley smacking people with a stick or, like, you know, prodding people with it. It was very funny. So as the letters build up and build up, uh, Mr. Dursley takes more drastic measures, like staying home from work to nail the door, the, the post uh, slot and the door shut, and then eventually nailing all the cracks around the door shut because the letters come through there. Now, eventually the letters come down the chimney, uh, and it freaks everybody out, so he goes on a little bit of a, a crazy, uh, he's just trying to escape, so he packs the family in the car, and they drive to a hotel where, you know, Dudley is complaining the whole time, but doesn't matter, and he keeps, <laughs> Vernon Dursley keeps, like, he'll, like, drive and then turn around and then turn back around, he's, like, muttering under his breath, but still at the hotel the next morning... They get a letter addressed to Harry at the hotel. I looked it up because, um, you know, she has to include the address for the hotel and whatever town they were supposed to be staying in actually doesn't exist. I thought that was funny. I was like, oh, I wonder where she said that. And, and it doesn't actually exist. It was just a made up place. And eventually they end up fleeing to an island in the middle, like off the coast to stay in an island in the middle of a storm. And I mean, like 
this I stopped and I was like, man, as a kid, there's just this weird progression where like this seems natural, right? You're trying to escape these letters, so that's the only thing you can do. And I was like, hey, this is my adult side of like, I can't imagine like this happening. If I was Dudley, right, and my dad was like, we're gonna go spend the night on a shack in the middle of the ocean during a storm. I mean, if I was Petunia, I'd be like. I think you've lost it a little bit. <laughs> like, it's just some letters. Well, to be fair, Dudley does say that. Yeah. He does say at one point, you know, when they're, like, driving around and stopping and he's, like, looking around yeah. and going off, he goes, Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, I think Petunia's the one who, like, needs to put a stop to this. Yeah. I, I mean, she actually doesn't say much until, um, you know, later in this, in this first 50 pages. And it's a good, like, I actually like that she doesn't say anything until this part where she kind of outbursts. But yeah, as I was reading through, I was like, I think it would have been funnier if she was like, hey, how you doing? What if we stop driving around so much? <laughs> like, but just, yeah, from a kid's point of view, it was just like, holy shit, this is serious. This is this has got to be crazy. So they go to the shack in the middle of the ocean and, and, you know, Harry has been thinking about how it's going to be his 11th birthday as we, as we approach midnight. And so poor Harry is left to sleep on the floor in this cold, wet shack, and he's watching the hands on Dudley's watch, you know, his light-up watch, tick down to midnight. And when we get to midnight, there's a knock at the door, and then the chapter ends. Great chapter end of just, like, knock, 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 knock. Someone's knocking at the door. They're in the middle of the ocean. They had to take a boat to get there. Like, who could it be? And it's our old friend Hagrid. What a great Hagrid entrance this is. And what a great character Hagrid is especially as like a guide and, and a welcome into the wizarding world to have this sort of gruff character who speaks like no t i mean like the words he says your y-e-r instead of you like that just so fun to have a character like this sort of introduce harry and introduce us to to the wizarding world he's a half giant and he's got a pink umbrella and he keeps an owl in his pocket it is weird and it is so much fun i i love it i always liked hagrid a whole lot and i just i was like so charmed again i was like i remember why i liked hagrid so much because he's just this big cuddly but also defends harry like such a great hagrid entrance here oh yeah he's he is immediately and that, this is one thing that i think uh jk rowling does really well in these especially in these first 50, 50 pages where like immediately his character really like, even back with dumbledore and at one point he he has two lemon drops like he's kind of muttering about how voldemort's name isn't that scary and he's unsticking lemon drops yeah. and mcgonagall sitting as a cat on the postal and then here like you said hagrid with his big coat that he's like pulling stuff out of and his pink umbrella and you just you immediately have a sense of who these characters are yeah um it, and they're just so charming and distinct and really just i, I that, that's one of the best things um for me is the characterization yeah absolutely um, here and they're so i mean they're so different from the dursleys and from you know even even harry at that point in time too they just seem so fanciful and so wild and i think that's part of the charm of this book is is these characters and, and always was i always liked all the characters and these books, I, I liked the characters in these books always much more than, than J.K. Rowling's writing, you know, not to say that she's a bad writer, but I just never remember feeling like yeah. super impressed with her prose. It was just her ability to create these really fun, fanciful characters was really her strength, I think. Yeah, she does a great job of establishing them, especially these like side characters 
in my in my memory at least remain pretty consistent like yeah. harry obviously grows and changes but like that's his art yeah but these side characters that you don't need a lot of development like hagrid isn't he always is kind of big gruff charming sincere guy yeah. like you know she she just had a very good sense of these characters and i think does a great throughout like establishing them but then also carrying that and making them consistent throughout yeah yeah and of course, Hagrid has brought Harry a, a slightly squashed cake that says happy birthday and, and has the great line of you're a wizard. So Hagrid shows up. This is also really fun because he shows up thinking like, okay, I found you, Harry. You're ready to go. You know, you're off to Hogwarts. And Harry's like, what's Hogwarts? And he's like, they didn't tell you you could go to school? And he's like, why would I go to school? And he's like, well, because you're a wizard. And he's like, what? I'm a, I'm a what? And, you know, Hagrid gets very upset at the Dursleys, eventually um, giving giving Dudley a tail. He said he was trying to turn him into a pig, but it didn't quite work. Uh, but there's also so much. I mean, Hagrid builds a fire and cooks little sausages and has some tea, and it's just, like, so fun, and they stay the night there. But he's very upset with the Dursleys. Uh, you know, they they then this is where Petunia has her little outburst. She's barely said anything the whole time, and now she, you know, when when her sister is mentioned, she freaks out, and, you know, they say they were freaks, and of course, and I didn't want it, and blah, blah, blah. So that was kind of a fun moment for her to, like, finally, you know, we know she treats Harry poorly, and then she has some little lines here or there, but to really see how much, you know, she did not like her sister, and then therefore Harry is, is kind of funny to see it come out in that moment. Yeah. Hagrid pulls a, an owl out of his pocket, sends a letter to Dumbledore that he's found Harry. And, uh, you know, classic kid's book, they go to sleep and Harry wakes up and is like, of course, it all must have been a dream. It couldn't have been real. And then he finds he's in Hagrid's coat. You know, he slept under the coat and of course it's real. He's, he's a wizard. It's all going to happen. Um, and, you know, slightly dismaying moment for him when uh, Hagrid says, you know, we're off to London to buy all the things you need for school. And he says, well, I don't have any money. And you heard my uncle. He's not going to pay to send me to school uh and you know Hagrid says nope don't worry that's fine you've got some money and and you know they're off in this boat that Hagrid has magically gotten moving um now forget have I gone past now have I have we hit the 50 pages and I've gone a little farther yes yeah there we go I knew I was I was like yeah, I'll start so, talking about this well, um yeah the last thing I read was them going to sleep um and Harry under the coat. Yes. That's I'm the end of it. chapter four, which, so we were talking about this earlier. Neither of us has our Harry Potter book. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we didn't really exactly know where 50 pages was. Now no. I, um, I have the Kindle version right now and I asked my book, I have an online book club and I sent a message. I was like, Hey, who has the Harry Harry Potter, tell me where 50 pages, and they said, so it's actually somewhere in that last chapter, with Hagrid and explaining somewhere in there. Yeah, it's a good place to, to stop as well, and forgive me for, maybe I'll edit out my going past a little bit, it's a great, but it, it really isn't, it's a nice little place to stop. We stop with, uh, actually though, again, her laying some seeds, you know, uh, he says, I got expelled, you know, Hagrid says, I got expelled from Hogwarts, to tell you the truth, in, in me, in me third year. Um, they snapped his wand and Harry says, why are you expelled? Oh, it's getting late and we got lots to do tomorrow, says Hagrid. Uh, he took off his thick, back, thick black coat and threw it to Harry. You can kip under that, he said. Don't mind if it wiggles a bit. I think I still got a couple of dormice in one of the pockets. And that's the end of the chapter. So it's, it's, it's a nice little ending on that. Hagrid's shown up. You're a wizard, Harry. You're going to Hogwarts. 
And that is that is where we sort of end off with these first 50 pages. So, Jess, what did you think about going back and, and rediscovering these here? What, what do you feel after that? Yeah, it was good. I, I had a good time revisiting it. Um, like, like we've been saying this whole time, like just the charm and the whimsy and the like slapstick goofiness yeah. of all of it. I was really, I, I had a good time reading that and remembering that these early books had charm to yeah. them. If you had come across this book, never heard of it before and read these pages, would you uh, delve in from here? I do. I I think that I would, even as an adult. I mean, I I I, I mean, I'm a children's librarian, so I do <laughs> read a fair amount of um, kids' fantasy, and I think that I that like this feel. It's it's clear to see how it's influenced, you know, stuff that's being published now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, if I was going back for the first time now, I I definitely would keep going. I um, yeah, I absolutely I, agree. Yeah. I, it's like a fun start to a series. It's like I, I want to know more about Hogwarts. I want to know, um, you know, what's going on. So no. yeah, I'd definitely go further. In. Yeah, there's so much in here to keep you interested in just little things. Like I was struck even by like, I want to know why Hagrid was expelled. Like beyond the yeah. big things of like, oh, Harry's parents didn't, and we know they didn't die in a car crash. But to get, we then get a little more information about how they did die. Like. Why did Voldemort try to kill them? What is Hogwarts? And and then beyond that, like why did Petunia hate her sister so much? You know, why why don't they want him to go to Hogwarts? Just these like little things in there that are that are so interesting to discover. And, and then of course, you know, I want to see more of of Dumbledore and of Professor McGonagall. There's just so much charm in here that I yeah, I mean, I absolutely would delve back in and and you know, this is the kind of thing that I'm excited to read to my daughter someday and 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 to give her. Because it really is just so, so much fun. I, you know, it, it's funny to have a picture of how the Harry Potter world is in your head and how fleshed out it is. But to go back to something like this feels very simple and kind of fun. It's it's really nice. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Now, I do remember as a kid being a little bit more confused mm -hmm. and maybe not quite, like not having the same questions. Mm -hmm. And so I think that she's, it does work from both ends. Like as adults <gasps> reading it, and if I was picking this up as an adult, those are the things one to know, right? Yeah. But looking through from like a kid, remembering reading it as a kid and thinking about giving it to kids at the library, like there's still enough in here that like, even if it's confusing, the slapstick, the silliness of it, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to keep going, even if I have no idea what's going on as yeah. a kid. But like, Hagrid pulls a live owl. Yep. <laughs> out of one of his coat gaps. It's like, no, that's funny. I'm going to keep, like, yeah. um, and now Harry's going to school and you're going to get magic. And it's like, there's enough of these, like, little bits that I think even for kids who might have a harder time following or asking those big questions, it's like, oh, no, but that's fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and there's so much in here that works on those both those levels again, like, <laughs> You know, it makes sense as you get older and, and you see more of the world, it makes sense why people are afraid to say Voldemort's name. But also as a kid, it's not like, you know that something's bad about this person that everybody calls you-know-who. Like, and it just, 
it, it's that monster under the bed kind of thing of like, oh yeah, there is something mysterious about this. But then it also works on the level of like, yeah, you know, you come to learn all the things that he did and why people just wouldn't even want to speak his name. It's not just because he's scary to children. It's it's more than that. So I think that that works really well uh, for everything, for everything too. And and the characters are just so so great, so much fun. You love to hate the Dursleys. You love to root for Harry and. Uh, you know, my memory of this book is that there is so much more of that. You know, uh, Draco sort of takes the place of the Dursleys as the person you like to root against. And, and you know, he's got uh, Hermione and Ron. And, you know, she always... I always thought J.K. Rowling did such a great job of making time move in a way that was interesting. And, and even here she does. Of Like, that's something I'm always jealous of as a writer, to have Harry be like, I was punished at the zoo... And then, you know, the weeks go by getting ready for summer. She didn't just, she doesn't just cut right to, and then Hagrid showed up. Like she, she puts these little things that move time in and, and they're nice. She always did that very well. Yeah, for sure. I'm a little, oh, that we're not really going to get to talk about Diagon Alley. But yeah. Like, once you get, like, it's so, uh, you know, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's an easy way to do it. It's an easy way to world build. Yeah. To drop somebody into the world who has never seen it before and you see their eyes and like that's a really easy way to info dump kind of you in a way that doesn't feel like you're info dumping yeah but that said seeing Diagon Alley through Harry's eyes is such a delight absolutely like, it's such a day for her to be able to do it yeah yeah I was lucky enough to, like magic and stuff yeah I was lucky enough to go um when when Reese and I were in Scotland last year, you know, we went to Edinburgh, and apparently that's where she wrote a lot of this book, and so and it was kind of cool to see some of the parts. We didn't go to the, you know, the I don't know if it's a, a coffee shop or like a little restaurant or something where she did write a lot of it. Apparently, it's always mobbed, and the bathroom is filled with graffiti about you know Harry Potter and stuff. But to see like other parts that she cites as being like, you know, this is the street that reminded me of, you know, that sort of inspired Diagon Alley and stuff is is pretty cool because. That was a weird thing always for me as a kid of like, so much of this is so British too. Like when I was a kid, the fact that Hagrid makes himself a cup of tea, I was like, why did he make tea? And I said, what? Who? My parents never drank tea. They drank coffee all the time. So I was like, why did he make himself some tea? Which to somebody in England would probably seem very natural. Yeah, it's cold. Make me a cup of tea. But as a kid, I was like, whoa, he's making tea. Cool. <laughs> like it's just it's so stupid, but there's so much to it that's like, very yeah. British about these books and, and really fun to see that in person. Yeah, that that would be really cool. I'm sure that would need to say everything. Yeah. Actually, in, in Edinburgh, there was a lot of, like, Harry Potter stuff that, you know, it was sort of like everybody, apparently, um, you know, Hogwarts is kind of supposed to be a castle in Scotland, perhaps, somewhere, is, is sort of the, one of the, I don't know if that's, like, said in the books or, or just sort of a theory that you know he takes a train ride from london and kind of goes into so there was kind of funny that in scotland there was this sort of unofficial like claiming of harry potter of like yes this is where harry potter took place is in scotland and in edinburgh i remember somebody dressed in wizard robes and they had a live owl and you know everything it was like milk and the harry potter tourism for all it was worth was, oh was very funny to me that, that's so funny considering that they are so british and like I, uh, <laughs> and I don't know, I guess I just think of like London and yep. kind of England as the, it's, I'm surprised that they've embraced it so wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yep. Very funny. 
Well, thank yeah, you so much yeah. for rereading these first 50 pages. Was there any other moments or anything that I skipped over that you wanted to, to shout out or, or go back to? There's a couple of moments that I kind of, being fun or interesting, covered all of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I mean, that's a delve in for Jess and I, which is not surprising. I mean, I figured we would both want to, but it's really fun to go back and remember how the first book in, in Harry Potter starts. And I'm looking forward to going back to the rest of the books and remembering, oh, yeah, that's how this book started. I didn't even remember that. I'm like, oh, cool. Um, and, and yeah, just a whole lot of fun. So thank you so much, Jess, for, for coming on and for reading these first 50 pages yeah. with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. had a good time doing this, so. Woo, yeah well we definitely have more more podcasting um stuff to get to but for now i am happy to know that you're safe and at least able to go for a run now and then and uh yeah keep me updated on your sourdough starter i will i will let you know hopefully <laughs> start to make some progress here, yes but we'll see. <laughs> all right well that's a delve in for oh, jess and myself yeah. thank you so much jess thank you harry potter um and, and yeah, that's uh, a good night for me and a good night from Jess and a good night from the Dormice in Hagrid's pocket. Thank you for listening to this episode of Furthermore. This was a tough one to edit and to get out there into the world because I had such mixed feelings about doing this after J.K. Rowling had come out and said such things that I disagreed with. But I'm glad that I did it, and I'm glad you stuck around and listened to it. Furthermore is created by Andy Dorado, written by Andy Dorado, hosted by Andy Dorado, edited by Andy Dorado, and all the music you hear is by Andy Dorado. Hey, speaking of that music... The things you're going to hear in these little Harry Potter things are actually pieces of music I wrote, I think about 10 years ago now, for a rock opera that I had written. And when I say rock opera, I mean W-R-O-K. When I say rock opera, I mean W-R-O-C-K, as in wizard rock opera. Yep, that's right, I had a wizard rock band forever ago. Uh, the band was called Padfoot and Prongs, and the idea behind it was that Padfoot and Prongs were writing songs about their time at Hogwarts. So I composed a whole rock opera with this whole original story about Padfoot and Prongs and Mooney fighting off a kid who had come and tricked Lily into getting a love potion and was trying to kill James Potter. Fun stuff! It was called To the Shrieking Shack, a rock opera, and all the music you're hearing here is snippets of that. Hey, don't forget to follow Furthermore on Instagram. That is Furthermore Podcast, all one word. We post updates there of new material. Every now and then there's a baby picture on there too, you know, if you want to see a cute baby or an especially cute dog named Noodle. We've got him on there. Now, the artwork for Furthermore is done by Max Farinato, who you can find on Instagram with the handle cbartist underscore or at m-a-x-f-a-r-i-n-t-o dot com. I want to thank Jess for her hard work on this episode and for having a great conversation with me about J.K. Rowling's recent comments. Usually I'd have a book recommendation for you here, and I promised that I would do books by trans authors or about trans characters. Right now, I'm going to let Jess's recommendations earlier in the episode speak for themselves, and I will be talking to Jess more about some recommendations and getting a list together for anybody interested and making sure that I get those in the end of the episode. Those are going to be my recommendations for these. I still want to talk about Harry Potter, but I feel like if I'm going to talk about Harry Potter, then I'm going to talk about trans rights as well and give some shout outs to trans authors. But thank you again to Jess for doing this episode with me, for your insightful comments and our pre-talk uh, in the episode there. And thank you, the listener, for sticking with it. I hope that you enjoyed this. There's a bunch more Harry Potter stuff coming. We're going to go through all seven books. I've got some guests lined up to do that. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Furthermore. 
I hope that you are staying healthy. I hope that you are staying safe. And I hope that you are staying sane out there as things start to open up and perhaps shut down again as we sort of spiral into uh, regression and openings and regression and openings. Please be safe. Please wear a mask. Wash your hands. Please drink water. Please drink tea. Tea is great. You know, hey, coffee's okay, but yeah, tea is really great. If you haven't started drinking tea yet, now's a good time. You know, the heat of the summer, you're cooped up inside. Have a nice hot cup of tea. What? Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Furthermore. I'm Andy Dorado, and hey, keep reading. Hey, Lily. You saved me. Where are Padfoot and Franz? I have a sudden clarity, and they've been gone for far too long.